Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, one of our favorite guests standing by, along with Doug on the Disk Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline. We'll get to him in a moment, but right now it's time to get to Doug. And remember, everyone out there who has anything that has anything to do with the gardening or, of course, our incredible guest who you will hear from in just a moment, 866-391-1020. 10th caller at 412-922-1020 wins a gift certificate from Sorgles. But here he is, ladies and gentlemen, once again to start another week of The Organic Gardener, DougOster.com. On the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline, here's Doug Oster. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Rob, and good morning to everybody. And happy Mother's Day to Rob, to everybody in your family, to our old friend Jessica, to my wife, to just everybody. Happy Mother's Day. Enjoy it. Don't don't give mom something that she has to work at. Give her a plant, and you go out and plant it for her. And, boy, did it get cold. <laughs> oh, I've been talking to gardeners all weekend long about how it went for their garden. I would love to hear how it went for your garden. Uh, if you were covering things, I didn't cover anything, and just about everything looks okay. I walked around this morning. I think we're okay. But I did see you know, a lot of people who had already planted stuff that they shouldn't have. You know, we always say, you know, wait, 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 but we certainly understand that, you know, you get that spring temperature and you want to get out there, but uh, I had somebody post on my Facebook page uh, showing me a tomato plant that was, it was gone. Too cold still yet for tomatoes, peppers, anything like that, uh, cucumbers or beans, but You know, I had lettuce out there that was fine, Uh, all the cool weather crops, the kale, the peas, uh, perennials, shrubs, trees. I didn't cover anything, but as I said, we were talking back and forth on Facebook all weekend with gardeners, and and some some did have some azaleas and other things nipped, and others didn't. I think it's different in every garden. In just a second, we're going to be talking with Steve Rapaski from Bee Control, who's going to give us all the facts on this so-called murder hornet. I talked to Steve over the weekend about it, and I thought you would want to hear about it. Uh, Again, don't plant your tomatoes, peppers, beans, cucumbers, anything tender until I, I, I wait until at least May 20th. That's just the way I do it. Uh, It's, it's, even though we have a change in the environment, it's just every year for 30 years, you always have this cold snap in May. That just it just always happens. And don't get your stuff out there too early. This column for the uh, this month this week's column, sorry, for the Green Voice is all about finding seeds during this crush of gardening. It has been crazy out there. Everybody wants to grow their own food. I've got a 
new weekly interactive webinar uh, that's uh, become a big deal. I'm really having a lot of fun teaching that class. It's uh, something I do in conjunction with Farm to Table. It's free for anybody on Medicaid or receiving WIC or SNAP benefits. Uh, actually, DougOster.com is down. They're still working on my website, making a brand new website, so you can see everything that I'm doing on Facebook. And right now, let's talk to Steve Rapaski from Bee Control, and they call it a murder hornet. Steve, what, that that sounds pretty scary to me. Uh, good morning and happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. And, and yes, uh, words What's can't the official be scary. Name? Sure. I'm sorry. What is the official name of this insect? The official name is the giant Asian hornet. Uh, scientific name is Vespa mandarinia. Well, so that sounds scary hornet. enough, but then when you add murder hornet, I'm 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 really terrified. You know, it's it's funny what words can do, and and certainly it is not a murder hornet. Um, that name kind of re- really just came up recently with this news story, so to speak. Uh, historically and scientifically, it is called the Asian giant hornet. Um, you know, certainly like any other insect or um, names that are out there, we have local terminology. For instance, yellow jackets here in Pittsburgh, we often call them ground bees. Um, and they certainly are not a true ground bee. We do have a native solitary pollinator that's beneficial that's called a ground bee, but uh, they are not the ground bees that we call yellow jackets here in Pittsburgh. But, uh, yeah, yellow, the uh, giant Asian hornet um, is something to be content with. Uh, it's, it's something we need to be aware of, uh, but certainly nothing to be aware, uh, concerned with immediately. Um, as with any invasive species, you know, we have the, the brown marmorated stink bug, that Asian lady beetle, the spotted lanternfly that just recently showed up. Any invasive species is something we should all be aware of and concerned with. Uh, the difference with this one is it has a stinger that has one qu- a quarter inch in length and can deliver a very potent sting. The good thing is it's not here yet. And we're hoping with, with due diligence and proper monitoring that it will not show up here in um, eastern Pennsylvania, or I'm sorry, eastern United States, western Pennsylvania. So we haven't even seen it here yet. How long have you known about this insect and been tracking its progress? Where is it? Oh, we've known about this for years. And when I say we, I mean the Department of Agriculture. As a beekeeper myself, and certainly in the pest industry, um, as the owner of bee control, we keep an eye on these types of things because it certainly can change our industry. It changes how our customers um, react to certain insects. Uh, the giant Asian hornet we've known about for years. Uh, it can be confused with a number of other insects that we have. Uh, one of the ones that we have here is called the European hornet. Uh, very similar markings. It was established in the United States back in the 1800s. About an inch and a half to an inch and three quarters long. The European hornet is a, a striking insect. Uh, it is a predatory insect. So that has been here, but with the giant Asian hornet, it's very, also very similar to a another species just called the Asian hornet. So we have the giant Asian hornet and the Asian hornet, both of which are um, you know spreading throughout the Asian countries and Europe. Um, the Asian hornet, which is slightly smaller than the giant Asian hornet, has been found in Europe for the last oh four or five years, and they've been monitoring for that. Uh, we've known about it, so. Of course, here in the United States, our departments of agriculture and plant industries have been monitoring for any invasive hornet, um, both the Asian and the giant Asian hornet. And uh, 
we've never found it until just a couple of years ago in 2018. A nest was found in British Columbia on Vancouver Island. It was destroyed. In 2019, two individuals were located in Washington State in the Pacific Northwest. So that was the first occurrence here in the United States. And the good news is they were individuals. It was not an established nest. So we need to make sure that we you know, differentiate between established and just finding a couple of individuals. And the good news is they are not established in the United States. But again, I say the word yet because anything can happen over the next five, ten years. Yeah, what are the biggest concerns for this insect? You know, the, to humans, the biggest in, concern is just the ability for it to sting. Um, it's larger. It's intimidating. Um, you know, to, for comparison, we worry about, uh, often we get customers that worry about our carpenter bees, which, as you know, are these big, fat, bumblebee-looking insects. Carpenter bees can sting, but the likelihood of them stinging you is very low. And then the same goes for the giant Asian hornet. The likelihood of them coming after you is very low, as long as you give them space and don't bother them. Very similar to all the other stinging insects that we have here in Pennsylvania. Your paper wasp, your bald-faced hornet, your yellow jacket. Many of those insects play an important role in our ecology, but when you run over them with your lawnmower, when you try to take on the nest on your own instead of calling a professional, that's where the threat becomes real and potential people have the potential of getting stung, potentially getting injured. There's some uh, rumors going around and some false facts being stated about how one one sting from this giant Asian hornet will kill you. Well, that's true of any stinging insect if you have a true anaphylactic allergy to it. So, you know, a, a single spider bite can kill a person if they have an allergy to it. Generally speaking, with the giant Asian hornet, even though it has a more potent sting, it typically takes about 30 to 50 stings from one of these insects to kill an average human being. So the threat is there because it's stinging, but ultimately um, on a day-to-day basis, there's no threat to our humans. The bigger threat is to our native flora and fauna. So they are a predatory insect. They are going to go after some of our native insects, which can be a potential problem in the long run. All right, when we come back uh, from the break, we'll talk a little bit about what it means for beekeepers. Again, this insect is not here. We're just talking about it because it's in the news. And when you call something a murder hornet, you get a lot of attention, (laughs) right, Steve? Absolutely. It really gets your attention. We could certainly talk about that. Let me take care of that hornet for you guys, okay? No no worries. <laughs> no worries. I got your back. All right, we'll get to Steve and Doug in just a moment. They're both on the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline. A lot of folks want to talk to Doug and Steve. Uh, John, we got him in Bethel Park, Tom in South Hills, Debbie and Cecil. But I want to congratulate Irene of Pittsburgh, winner of that gift certificate from the good folks at Sorgles. KDK Radio doing our part to help Pittsburgh stay connected. Go to our radio.com app and get ideas to help you during the stay-at-home time. Just go to radio.com slash stay connected. And remember, you can always get KDK Radio on your smart speaker. Just say, play News Radio 1020 KDKA. Good morning. Hi, Doug Oster today, along with Steve Rapaski on The Organic Gardener, both on the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh News. Let's get back to them, and then we'll get to your calls in just a moment. Go ahead, Doug. Uh, Steve Rapaski from Bee Control is joining us this morning talking about the so-called murder hornet. First off, Steve, it's not here, thank goodness. It's it's out west, but what, what are the worries for beekeepers? Oh, yeah. Again, it is not here. Um, There's several species that look similar, but the good news is they only found two individuals in Washington State. So we're we're happy that that's not the case, that they're not established just yet. 
the worry for beekeepers um, is that they are very destructive to honeybee colonies. Um, where they are native, which is Japan, uh, in Eastern Asia there, they uh, are, are very, very horrible with honeybees. Uh, the honeybees, the, the reason the, uh, the giant Asian hornet likes honeybee colonies is just the massive amount of availability of food, right? We've got 30,000 bees. We've got all the young larvae that are there, some honey. And what these giant Asian hornets do is they'll a single hornet will come in and he'll grab a honeybee and decapitate it, take it back to the colony of, of hornets and share it with the other hornets and give them all a little bit of a taste and say, hey, I found this food source. What do you guys think? And the rest of them say, yep, looks good. Let's go. And next thing you know, you get this armada, if I guess it's not an armada because they're not ships, but you get this this large group of hornets showing up at a honeybee colony. And with within two hours, three hours, 30 hornets can just obliterate a colony of honeybees. So it's very worrisome for beekeepers if a colony of Asian horn, giant Asian hornets um, are showing up, and especially if they establish themselves here in, in the United States. The good news is we could reduce that, that risk by doing certain things to our beehives, putting entrance reducers on, um, openings that are smaller that don't allow the hornet to enter the hive itself. Uh, one of the other issues is that you get a, a um, hornet that when it, that hornet takes over that colony of honeybees and kills the entire thing, it leaves a marker. So now that, that colony is now part of the hornet's territory. Um, and they can be difficult to remove. Uh, Rob, you mentioned you take care of that, that hornet. I hope your backhand is good because tennis rackets are probably one of the best defenses that we have when we see large insects like that in the bee yard. So it's it's a problem. You know, we're worried about it, but we're not worried so much that we're going to get sidetracked and just focus on it. Uh, Roa mites and all these other issues that we have with honeybees are taking higher precedence at this point, but we are going to be vigilant. We are going to pay attention, and beekeepers are probably going to be the first ones to know that they have moved their range across the United States or if they've established themselves because of this connection between giant Asian hornets and honeybees. And since beekeepers are taking care of their bees fairly often, we're the ones that are going to be noticing something different happening before anybody else notices um, these insects. Now, of course, we're doing trapping all over the United States with these giant Asian hornets, and they're just monitoring traps. It's not attracting them per se to cause them to expand their range. It's just that if they happen to show up here, we can catch them in these types of different types of insect traps, and that's a monitoring method that our Department of Agriculture uses. All right, let's see if we've got any questions on the phones, Rob. We do have a lot of questions for you, Doug, and we're going to begin with Debbie, who's calling today from Cecil. She wants to talk about perennials. Debbie, go ahead. you got about a minute. Good morning, Doug. Um, I wanted to see if you could give a recommendation. Um, I want to try to put some um, perennial flowers in my flower bed for the summer, looking for something that would be smaller in size, and it's for a shaded area. Oh, I have the perfect plant for you, and it's one I talk about all the time, but it only has a Latin name, and so it, it's not as popular as it should be. But it's called Corydalus lutea, and Corydalus is C-O-R-Y-D-A-L-I-S. And Corydalus lutea, the reason I love it so much is it grows wonderfully in dry shade. Uh, it's deer-resistant. You can never say deer-proof. It will bloom starting now and go all the way through summer, all the way until last year, almost Christmas, because we had such a mild start to winter. 
and it forms a beautiful colony after just a couple of years. And I'm telling you what, find that plant because, again, that long bloom time. Most perennials, they only bloom, you know, just for uh, a few weeks. This one blooms longer, and that's my number one perennial for you. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back on the other side. Uh, Steve's going to hang around for a little bit with Doug. If you want to talk, uh, the number is 866-391-1020. And, you know, being that Steve's here, if you have some issues with those buzzing bees and some of those pests and insects in the backyard, he'd be more than happy to take your call. Doug, of course, DougOster.com, working on that website. Going to be absolutely spectacular. Doug's going to let you know when it gets up and running, doing some uh, service repair work there. But more importantly, Doug's always here every Sunday with me, Rob Pratt Sunday, taking your calls. And we'll get to more of them. Tom in South Hills, transplanting an iris and broccoli on the mind of John in Bethel Park. Stay with us. Good morning. All right, Doug Oster, ladies and gentlemen, getting ready for another segment of the Organic Gardeners. He's on the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline, and we're going to get right back to the phones for Doug, and let's say hi to Mary, who's calling today from Beaver. Hey, Mary, good morning. Welcome to KDK Radio. Hi, good morning, uh, and happy Mother's Day to everyone. You too. I um, bought tomato plants too early, I know, because I didn't plant them yet. I know that there's still frost. But I was thought, I thought I was very careful bringing them in the house at night and putting them out in the day. I must have missed something. Some of them, not all of the plants, but some of them, like the leaves, are like real dried up at the top. And I don't know if that's from frost or if I did something. And should I throw them away and get different ones or waste my garden space and plant them in the were the plants outside? Did they did they experience frost, or had you had them inside? Did you say they were outside? And then I bring them in at night, unless I missed a night or something. I don't know, but they didn't all do it. Just some of them. Maybe like I would. Wa- I would wait on it. You know, tomatoes are really tough, and even if you, if the tops of them did get uh, zapped a little bit, they could come back. And so let's okay. not throw them away. Let's you know, any time that, that it's nice out bring them outside you know part of that could be even sunburn you don't know for sure until we see it but let's just see how they do don't overwater, but don't let them dry out and let's just see how they do there's no sense in throwing them away you still have you know a good two weeks until they should go in the ground anyway we don't want to push them out too early okay all right, great call. Listen, great place to go to celebrate Mother's Day. They're going to open at 9, Janoski's in Clinton. And right now, if you're the 10th caller at 412-922-1020, you're going to win yourself a $25 gift certificate to Janoski's. And happy Mom's Day to all the amazing women, Joanne and Patty and all of them at Janoski's in Clinton. Let's go right back to work via the phones. Here's Tom up now for Doug and Steve Rapaski on the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline on today's edition of The Organic Gardener. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Good morning. Welcome to KDKA. I'm good, and hope all of you are. Good morning, everyone. Um, is this a possible successful time to dig and transplant iris? You know, iris is actually, they're one of the only plants that we move in July, Uh the irises are working their way now towards blooming, so we don't want to get, we don't want to disturb them until after they're done blooming. If you really, do they have to be moved? Is that what you're telling me? Like something's going to, you know, happen? There's construction or something like that? Exactly, and they've already been dug. Well, then, you know, what I would Give do is, is I, I would get them into the ground somewhere else as soon as I could, and 
then we'll see what happens. You know, right. again, they're on, they're another plant that's pretty pretty resilient, and so if they're already out, the 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 thing is to to find a place for them where you can get them in the ground where you can enjoy the blooms. That's what I want for you is to get those flowers, and so. Uh, let's find a nice spot, add some compost if you can, stick them in there, uh, give them the water they need, and then if they can go back to that original location, you would do that in, in July. All right? Okay, just one more thing. Uh, I ahead. do remove the spent daffodil flowers all the way down to the bottom of the stem. Do you do the same thing with iris when they're spent? Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to, instead of the plant trying to put on the, uh, some kind of seed pod on on top. It'll put the energy back into growing roots down below. So yes, when they're done when they're done blooming, you you basically what we call a deadhead them. Remove that flower stem, and then uh, the plant will 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 be healthier that way. Let's take one more for a Doug in this segment, then he can wrap it up with Steve Rapaski, both on the Disc at 2 to Pittsburgh Newsline, and then Doug and I will come back and wrap up this week's edition of The Organic Gardener. Let's say hi to John in Bethel Park. As promised, he wants to talk about broccoli. Good morning, John. Welcome to KDK Radio. Hey, John. Good morning. Hi. I wasn't able to get uh, broccoli seeds early, and so I couldn't get them started. I just finally got some. Is it too late to start for a first crop, or should I just wait and uh, do a fall crop? No, no, I, I would go ahead with this, you know, get those seeds in as soon as you can. Uh, you're thinking about starting them indoors, or you want to direct sow them out in the garden? I could start them indoors because I've got grow lights. That's the way to do it. Get them going because they only have to be about four weeks old. In fact, they're actually they're at their best at four weeks old when you get them out in the garden. And, you know, broccoli oh. broccoli is a cool-weather crop, but you can grow broccoli all summer long. So you're okay. good to go. Uh, get them started, and then I would start again uh, by seed indoors around July, and then you can have okay. that second crop also. Excellent. Thank you so All much. Right. Thank you. All right, congratulations to Frank, winner of that great gift certificate from the good folks at Janoski's. And now, next couple of minutes, we'll wrap up with our conversation with Steve Rapaski with Doug on his show. They're both on the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline, and then Doug and I will come back and take maybe a couple of more calls and wrap up the hour. Go ahead, Doug. Well, Steve, I want to thank you so much for coming on, for giving us all the information we needed about these so-called murder hornets. I'm so glad they are not here. Um, let's talk a little bit before we go about how honeybees are doing in general. Are are they still struggling? Sure, and, and thank you, Doug, for always uh, for inviting me. Yeah, these these insects, we have to be vigilant. You know, if you see something, say something, and let somebody know so we can identify them positively. But with the honeybees, yeah, absolutely, they're they're doing. Uh, I won't say they're doing great, but they're doing okay. We're still up against the the same old uh, pesticides, pathogens, pests, uh, poor nutrition, the same things that have been affecting them. You know, we're not gaining a whole lot of ground, but we're not losing uh, more, which is even more important. So we're holding our own. This weather has been goofy, uh, as you know. You and I have talked about this on all levels. It's just very strange year all the way around, and um, the bees are doing okay. They're handling it just fine. Uh, we lost some nectar sources due to the extended cold and freeze morning, you know, the mornings with frost and whatnot. But so far, so good. I'm heading out to the um, the field to work on my bees here this afternoon and spend a little time with my, my mom as well, of course. But, uh, yeah, we're, the bees are doing okay. We're hopeful for a good honey harvest this year, uh, I suspect, uh, from the pest end, um, you know, as far as bee control is concerned, we're going to have lots of carpenter bees, lots of paper wasps this year, uh, even though with this extended cold 
coming up here next week when it's in the 70s, um, watch out. <laughs> Everything's going to be coming out and starting to nest, so we're going to be busy on, on both ends. Real quick, let's talk about just a couple of things that gardeners can do to help not only honeybees, but other pollinators, because I know you talk a lot about that, too, about about trying yeah. to, to uh, help our native pollinators. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing I always tell folks, uh, you know, we don't necessarily need more beekeepers, and that may sound a, a little mean, but uh, what we do need is we need more people paying attention to what they plant, what they apply. You know, we don't want people applying pesticides to their yards and gardens. Um, our native pollinators are some of the most beneficial insects that we have out there. A number of solitary bees are nesting right now, your leaf cutters, your mason bees, the carpenter bees. Uh, what gardeners can do is provide habitat for them, uh, put up native bee boxes for them. Some of the uh, the weeds, if you will, around the outside edge of your garden, your perennial flowers that have hollow stems, don't cut those down until now, until you start seeing that green growth come from the bottom because Many of those areas provide uh, not only hibernating habitat for these insects, but also nesting habitat. So planting a lot of different varieties of perennial flowers around the edges of your garden, providing nesting structures for these native solitary bees are some of the best things that the gardeners can do to help not only just the native, native species, but our honeybees as well. Steve Rapaski from Bee Control, I know that you don't have any problem with the cold weather because you don't have your garden in yet. No, I, I didn't have to cover a thing. I, it's called working smarter, not harder. I didn't have to do a thing because I don't have anything in the ground, so I'm all set for next week when the weather warms up. All right, Steve, thanks again. Thanks very much for filling us in, not just on murder hornets, but uh, honeybees and pollinators too. Thank you, Doug. You guys have a wonderful day. As always, appreciate the, the time. All right, Steve Rapaski and Doug coming back on the Discount Suit of Pitchman News. I've got a couple more calls to get to. Next hour, staying home means cooking for mom at home on Mother's Day. Great recipes and great ideas and things that you need. And, of course, Coons Market open right now. And there's one near you at CoonsMarket.com to help you celebrate Mom's Day. Joe and Frank Dentiki, TC, that cooking hour in about 20 minutes. Then Heffron Tillett sends your money in you. And then it's the Coons Market Black and Gold Sunday show, all still to come on Rob Pratt Sunday, KDK Radio. Back with Doug in a moment. Good morning. All right, Joe and Frank, uh, Dentisi, it's all about staying at home means cooking for mom at home. And you might be using some Idaho potatoes, so you just never know. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to Helen up next on the edition of The Organic Gardener with Doug Oster. Hi, Helen. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm not a gardener, but I have uh, potatoes that I neglected to use. So, Idaho um, and I see they're growing. I was thinking of planting them in the garden. Um, could you give me instructions on how to do that? Do I cut them into smaller pieces? So, yeah. So, usually we recommend that you use certified seed potatoes because you could be passing on uh, a fungal disease or some type of other disease to the soil or to your potatoes. But I've had lots of friends that start potatoes for the garden from potatoes that they had from, for the kitchen. And so basically, yes, you're cutting that potato about in half. You need at least one eye. We'd like to have two or three eyes if possible. My next-door neighbor used to put them into a, a resealable plastic bag and then really get them to sprout, really get some long roots and, and then stick them into the ground. Uh, this is a perfect time to plant potatoes. And... What you do, though, 
is you just you kind of dig a trench, you fill that trench up with compost, and then you just barely cover those uh, the, the potatoes. After you cut them, let them sit overnight or maybe for two days until that kind of that scabs over. And now you plant your potatoes. And now as they get bigger, as they, they sprout and start to grow, you kind of slowly hill them up. And so that will get you more potatoes. Uh, the more when they're in that trench, eventually you'll fill that trench up with the the, the backfill, and then that will all be filled with uh, potatoes. When your potato plant is flowering, that means that you're starting to put on potatoes. You can kind of dig from the edges. This is a, a trick that Jessica used to always tell us about where you get these things called new potatoes, and they they are just a very soft skin. The skins aren't hardened yet, and, you, and that's kind of one of the – uh, exciting things about growing potatoes is, is harvesting a few of those new potatoes from the edges. Once those that foliage kind of dries up and goes away, then it's time to dig your potatoes, and that's pretty simple and, and self-explanatory, okay? All right, thank you for the call. Let's see if we got literally two minutes. Let's see if we can talk to Michael about uh, Arbovita. Go ahead, Michael. Welcome to KDK Radio. You're on the air with Doug. Doug, I don't want to look in my neighbor's yard, and I was thinking of a fence, and my wife said, Arbovita. Uh, how how close should you plant them? I wanted it to get about at least six feet and then grow from there, but I see people well, putting them first, right next first, to each other. First question is, do you have deer? Oh, yeah. And you're not going to be able to go with Arbovitas, then. You're going to have to go with I have Arbovitas either... in my front, and I don't need them. Oh, they don't touch them? Uh, no, well, I don't know if they touch them, but they're still there. They look good. Well, as long as they're not, you know, because that's one, become one of their favorite foods, and we've seen a lot of arborvitas that get selectively pruned. If the deer aren't after them, arborvita would be great. And depending on the variety, that's when you're going to decide what your planting center should be. Should it be 6 foot? Should it be 10 foot? Should it be 3 feet? And, again, it depends on which ones you end up with. But that's a great uh, plant that you could use uh, as uh, uh, basically a, a divider between you and your neighbors. All right. Thank you for the call. If I ask you that question, Doug, my luck, my neighbor would be listening. That would be <laughs> that, that would be my luck. So I don't like my yard, huh? Anyway, <laughs> anyway, Doug, if you will, my friend, wrap up. Got about 30 seconds, then you can say goodbye. Go ahead. All right. Well, this is a great time to be planting. Uh, we've got a great week coming up here with a little bit of rain. Uh, always remember... You don't want the soil to be too moist out in the garden. Uh, I'm a broken record. If it sticks to the shovel, it's too wet to work. But, boy, get in those cool-weather crops, and trust me, you need to wait to put in your tomatoes, peppers, beans, cucumbers, anything that's tender. Just wait. There's no sense in pushing it along. Now, remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow. In every garden you grow. Hey, Doug, your, your lovely wife, your mom, happy Mom's Day, and we'll catch up with you next week, okay? Thanks so much. All right, there he goes, Doug Oster, DougOster.com. Coming up, it's uh, Joe and Frank Dentisi. It's staying at home. It means cooking for mom at home. So if you have a favorite for your mom, what you're going to be doing, or just one of your mom's all-time favorites, call us now, 866-391-1020. Good morning. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. 
Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.